<sighs> Today on Locked On Mariners, I got nothing, gang. <laughs> Not a fun weekend of baseball. Welcome to Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here's your host, DC Lundberg. Ah, here we go again. Another series, another sweep. I'm DC Lundberg, as Joey Martin just told you, and I hope I don't get too salty on today's edition of Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, brought to you by The Locker Room. Please remember to download, rate, and follow this program on whichever podcasting app that you personally care to use. Ask your smart device to play Locked On Mariners Podcast or any program here on the Locked On Podcast Network or T-L-O-P-N or T-L-O-P-N. Other than being no-hit twice, last Friday's game may have been the low point of the season thus far. Fortunately, I didn't have to see it. I was at Avista Stadium watching the Everett Aqua Sox beat my Spokane Indians. Not the best of games, some questionable umpiring on a couple of pickoff plays, shaky defense for both, for both teams, poor pitching, and a wind chill factor of about negative 17 degrees. I had a great time. Anyways, for the Mariners, it was a 16-1 to loss. Uh, the first time I remember seeing it, I think it was 4-1 when I was in line with my friend to get some food. And the next time I checked, it was 8-1, to then 9-1, to and then I stopped paying attention. The Indians were getting blown out at that point as well, but they made a late comeback against Everett's bullpen, uh, but they came up short. I did get to see Julio Rodriguez. He was the designated hitter and uh, hit second in the lineup. Didn't have a great day. Stuck, struck out twice, if I recall. I think he did reach base a couple other times, though. Carter Bins, the Everett catcher, had an impressive game. Two for five with a long home run. Jack Larson was also two for five with a home run. Starting Pitcher for Everett was Steven Kolek. He looked fine, but he only pitched three innings. The starter for the end for the Indians was Hell Chris Oliveris, and uh, he also started when my friend and I went to opening day, and he was spectacularly unimpressive in both starts. And he's the only Indians player on the Rockies 40-man roster. He's the number seven rated prospect in the Rockies chain. Their minor league system must be terrible because I just don't see it. Way too many command issues for Mr. Oliveris. Anyways, this is Locked on Mariners, not Locked on Aqua Sox or Locked on Indians. So I'll move on. Friday's game was just a total bust, but there were several roster moves prior to that game. More IL trouble for the Mariners. It's becoming a theme, ladies and gentlemen. But one thing that they had not had too much trouble with prior to Friday was the COVID IL, but that reared its ugly head. Placed on the COVID list on Friday were Robert Duggar, Anthony Masevich, Drew Steckenrider, and Will Vest. Four bullpen arms gone in one fell swoop. Up from the Rainiers to take their places were Wyatt Mills, Aaron Fletcher, and Johan Ramirez. And in addition, Keenan Middleton was activated from the 10-day injured list. In terms of roster moves, there's actually more. The Mariners also brought infielder Eric Campbell up from Tacoma. He pinch hit in Friday's game and collected a base hit. Campbell is a 34-year-old veteran who hasn't seen action in the major leagues since 2016 with the Mets. Also on Friday, we learned who was going to play first base until Evan White comes off the disabled list, and that would be Jacob Nottingham, a catcher by trade, but he plays a pretty decent first base. I thought he looked better defensively than Jose Marmalejos, to be honest. Pitcher 
Williams Jerez was signed to a minor league deal on Friday as well. He was last in the Giants system and uh, has big league experience with San Francisco, Pittsburgh, and the Los Angeles Angels. Moving on to Saturday, and prior to that game, many more roster moves. Two of the pitchers who had been disabled and put on the COVID list were activated, Duggar and Masevich. Fletcher and Mills were sent back to Tacoma. Domingo Tapia, who had been designated for assignment earlier, was traded to the Royals for cash considerations. Pitcher Daniel Zamora was claimed out of the Mets organization and placed on the 40-man roster. Pitch, uh, pitcher Zach Weiss was signed to a minor league deal, and the M's also brought over outfielder Ty Kelly from the Long Island Ducks. Mr. Weiss and Mr. Kelly, neither of them are on the 40-man roster, and I believe they're both the right nears at this time. Now to the actual game, and through the first four innings, it looked like the Mariners were at least going to be in the ball game. Then the bottom of the fifth happened. The score was 1-1, to and by the time the inning was over, it was 6-1. to And after Eric Hosmer's three-run single, it felt as if it was just over. Even with the Mariners' late rallies in the 8th and ninth innings, it never felt like they were going to come back. That, that Hosmer play was just a mess from start to finish. Not only was the pitch left in the middle of the zone pretty much, but there were two errors on the play. Both of them were missed throws to the plate. The play would take two long to explain in detail, but it almost looked like the Keystone Cops or something out there. Both of them were throws home within this, a span of a few seconds. Eric Hosmer winds up at third on the play and is driven home on the next pitch by an Austin Nola single. And, even, and as I said, even though the M's tried to mount a rally late, it was just over. This is one of the worst stretches of Mariners baseball I can remember. The Mariners, like all sports teams, are in the entertainment business, and they are committing the cardinal sin of entertainment. They're boring. This is a boring team playing boring baseball. It would be great therapy for insomnia patients. They can tout the future all they want to. And yes, the future is bright, but people are paying to see the 2021 Mariners, not the 2024 Mariners. Speculating on the future works in stocks and commodities trading, not in the entertainment world. There is absolutely no reason to go see a Mariners game, especially since they play in a giant cell phone store that looks like it was made by Mattel as an accessory for Barbie. If you're thinking of traveling to Seattle to watch the Mariners, take my advice and save your money. Go see a Tacoma Rainiers game instead. They're good. Go see an Everett Aquasox game. They're really good. Go to Little Rock and see an Arkansas Travelers game. That's where the future is for the most part. And minor league baseball anyways is way more affordable than a major league baseball game. There is absolutely no reason to pay to see a Mariners game right now. None. Later on in the program, we'll have part one of a conversation I had with Jason Burke of Locked on A's yesterday uh, regarding the impending series in the Coliseum, which is probably going to be a three-game sweep at the hand of the Oakland A's. But right now, we're here at the Trivia Corner, and today we have a hall pass. This gentleman spent 19 years in the big leagues as, an, as a middle infielder in the 1980s, 1990s, and 2000 aughts. He has a slash line of 295, 371, 444. He hit 441 doubles, 190. 98 home runs. He stole 379 bases. He walked 939 times against 817 strikeouts. He's a 12-time All-Star, a three-time Gold Glove Award winner, and a nine-time Silver Slugger. 
He has won MVP award and placed in five other seasons. Would you uh, consider this man for the Hall of Fame? Are those Hall of Fame credentials in your estimation? I will tell you who that who that is, pardon me, after this word from Wealthfront. Investing, it can be complicated. But whether you're a beginner or whether you've been trading all your life, Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. No manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences that you control. Wealthfront front, pardon me, can even help you lower the taxes you pay as you invest. For the average client, their tax loss harvesting can more than cover the low annual 0.25% advisory fee. Best of all, it's automatic. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first 5000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com slash locked on MLB. All you need to get started is 500 simoleons. Grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. To get your first 5,000 managed for free for life, go to wealthfront.com slash locked on MLB. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash locked on MLB to start growing your savings. Go to wealthfront.com slash locked on MLB and get started today. Today's Hall Pass subject was the 1995 National League Most Valuable Player. That would be Mr. Barry Larkin. Never led the league in any one category. Just put together a very solid career. Very good defender. Remember, he played in the National League many of the same years that Ozzie Smith did and still managed to win three Gold Glove Awards, 1994, 1995, and 1996. Coming up, Jason Burke and I talk about stuff, but not until C-Block. We have another blowout loss to trudge through first. And now this word from the locker room. This episode is brought to you by The Locker Room, as I just mentioned. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Locker Room is a perfect place to join or start conversations about the league. If I'm not on, you can start your own uh, conversation. You'll find fans on there just like yourself for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. You will have a chance to chat with me, yes indeed. And again, if I'm not there, just start your own room and talk about the Mariners. I am at Locked On Mariners, by the way, and there's really no rhyme or reason to when I'm going to hop on. It just kind of, basically when I have a free afternoon is when I do it. Download the uh, free app and uh, currently available on all iOS devices, plus the beta version for Android, which is what I have. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter if you've got one, and join the MLB group for the latest league updates. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. Now back to Locked On Mariners and your host, D.C. Lundberg. Thank you very much, Joey Martin. There were a few more roster moves prior to Sunday's game. More COVID injured list uh, badness, I'm afraid. Kendall Graveman landed on the COVID list, who has been by far the most reliable arm on the Mariners' staff. Wyatt Mills was recalled again to take his place. 
Brady Lale was claimed by the Phillies organization. He had been designated for assignment a few days ago. Also DFA'd at that same time was first baseman outfielder Jose Marmalejos. No one claimed him, and he was outrighted to the Tacoma Rainiers, so he is still in the organization, though he's off the 40-man roster. As much as I have complained about his approach to the plate, I'm glad he's still in the organization. Because he can hit, he just needs to make that adjustment. Hopefully he can. Plus, he brings versatility to the to, to the versatility to the table. My goodness, with the ability to play first base, left, and right field. Plus, it may give me another opportunity in the future to say Marmolejos. He's got a great name, gang. Uh, Sunday's game, like Saturday's, started off well. Justin Dunn got the start, and he was working on one fewer day's rest than he had been used to, and looked, you know, pretty good through four innings. He only needed forty-three pitches to get through those four. That is. Aside from the bases on balls, that's been the biggest problem for Mr. Dunn. High pitch counts and deep counts in general have been a theme for him, driving up his pitch count. But through the first four innings yesterday, he was very economical. That was an average of 10.75 pitches per inning, which is very good. He had trouble in the fifth, however. He didn't surrender any runs, but he threw 28 pitches in that inning, which was a similar total to his first three innings of the ballgame. He walked Will Myers to lead off the fifth, and Myers made Dunn throw ten pitches. A strikeout of Victor Caratini followed, and then a four-pitch walk to Ha-Sung Kim. Those would be the only base runners, though, but Dunn was spent, and he did not go out for the sixth. Final line for Mr. Dunn, five innings, a solo home run off the bat of Fernando Tatis Jr., accounting for the only run and hit he'd allow. He walked three and struck out four. I want to give him props for something else. In his second at-bat, he got a cutter or a slider or something at the top of the zone and drove it out to right field for a double. It was damn near the base of the outfield wall. May have actually been a home run in Camden Yards, and he really didn't look bad at the plate as some pitchers can. Justice Sheffield notched a solid base hit in Saturday's game as well. Both Dunn's and Sheff's hits were opposite field hits. They took Scott Service's philosophy of going the other way to heart and were rewarded with hits. Both of those men looked like they knew what they were doing with the lumber. Unlike so many others these days, I am not in favor of the universal DH. I like the leagues having slightly different rules. That's unique in in sports today. I don't want to lose that. And I'd go a few steps further. I miss the days where there were separate National and American League umpires. I like the leagues almost operating as separate entities and then meeting in the World Series. But back to the game, Anthony Misevich came in for the sixth, and the inning started off with a little bad luck. There was a flare hit out to right field, which Mitch Hanniger almost made an impressive sliding catch on. The ball hit the heel of his glove, actually. May have gotten lost in the sun a little bit. I don't know. Maybe he makes that catch if it's a night game. But as impressive as that play would have been, it's one that Maniger should have made since it did hit his glove. I think it was Jerickson Profar who hit it. I could be missing remembering but whoever hit the ball he wound up at second base and that's the kind of break that can ignite an offense to lead to a big inning that's exactly what happened Misevich did not record an out before being removed in favor of JT Chagua I sure hope I'm pronouncing that right I stopped watching the game at that point I was watching it late um, off the DVR, and I knew what the final score was already. I, I couldn't take it anymore. Uh, the Mariners had run into more bad luck earlier in the ball game. as a matter of fact. Eric Hosmer made two great plays on balls that were smoked down the first baseline. Both of them could have been hit. Both of them maybe should have been hits, and both plays prevented runs from scoring. One of the runs 
uh, later did wind up scoring anyway on Justin Dunn's double, no less. But with the second play, Manager was on second base. I don't remember who was hitting, but if that ball snuck through, Manager has a good chance to score. And if he did, it would have given the Mariners a one-run lead, and that could have changed the complexion of the entire ballgame. But Hosmer did what he had to do to help his team. In those cases, you just have to tip your hat and move on. It's still frustrating, though. Not only are the Mariners horrible, but they're not getting the breaks either. One thing I want to note before uh, moving on to the email plug in the next segment, Jose Godoy got his first uh, big league start yesterday. And my goodness, he looks way better defensively uh, than Luis Torrens does. Even though he catches on one knee with uh, runners on base, he is far more mobile and way more spry than Torrens has ever been behind the plate, or, or as I have seen Torrens. Godoy is a much better defensive catcher than Torrens is, and even if Godoy hits, you know, 180, that's about what Torrens was hitting anyway. And also, the Mariners are touting that uh, Jose Godoy was the 20,000th Major League Baseball player according to baseball reference. So there is a trivia item for you. In addition, um, I saw part of an interview with Godoy. I think Angie Mentig might have been giving an interview or Jen Mueller. Anyways, they played part of it um, you know, in, in the pregame show earlier in the week. Might have been Saturday. I don't remember. But you had to just be so happy for Mr. Godoy after being in the, in the Cardinals minor league system for nearly a decade and then finally breaking through to the show um, you know, this, you know, this year, this weekend with the Seattle Mariners, um, you know, he revealed, yeah, the, he, he, he cried when he got the call. He called it, he called his wife. He thought he was just being called up to the taxi squad. So he called his wife and he said, Hey, I'm on the Mariners taxi squad. And then he, he found out, no, you're going to the Seattle Mariners called his wife back and, um, very excited for, for him and then he called his mom and dad and they were crying it that I didn't see the whole interview I saw that portion of it but you just had to be so happy for for Mr. Godoy finally making it to the show and all that hard work and nearly a decade's worth of minor league baseball finally paying off if you have a question or a comment you would like addressed on the air, please send it to LockedOnMariners at gmail.com, and I will, in fact, address it on the air in a future mailbag segment. Questions and comments on any subject at all are welcome and highly, highly encouraged. It doesn't need to be about the Mariners. It doesn't even need to be about baseball. It doesn't need to be about sports. Coming up, prior to speaking to me, Jason Burke was excited to see the Mariners play the A's. And after the conversation, he's just that much more excited. Part one of our investigative 16-part series after this word from Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, and all your UFC slash MMA action. Before the next pitch, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sports. Sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest info. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs in May. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts promo code. Guess what, gang? Yep, locked on. Welcome back to Locked On Mariners. 
Here once again is your host, DC Lundberg. Thank you once again, JM. I stated on last Friday's program that I would save the curling talk for C-Block, and uh, it is C-Block, but I have not yet had a chance to watch either of the medal games from the World Mixed Curling Championships. Um, So I will congratulate the winners and the silver medalists and the bronze medalists on uh, Wednesday's program. We're going to have a guest host tomorrow. Uh, The Mariners do begin a three-game series in Oakland tonight. Yesterday afternoon, I spoke with Jason Burke of Locked on A's about the upcoming series. And over the course of the next few shows, I'll present portions of that conversation. In this first part, which was actually one of the last things we talked about, we discussed the pitchers that the Mariners will be facing. I'll I'll ask some questions of you then, kind of going into the Oakland series, although by the time this portion of the conversation is published, two of the games may have been played already. I don't know how this is going to work. <laughs> but, Man, um, those first two blowouts by the A's really got their run differential in order. That was fun. Oh, that 30 to nothing shutout was just horrible, <laughs> wasn't it? Uh, how does it feel to be have a perfect game thrown against you 30 to nothing? Well, the, the the worst part was that the ninth inning of that perfecta was pitched by an infielder, which made us really look silly. Oh, man, it was. Thank you for not swinging on any three O pitches. That was really helpful. <laughs> it helped him get back in the count. Anyways, uh, for, let's talk about Frankie Montas a little bit. He is starting right. Monday's game against uh, Yusei Kikichi. Um, what can we expect to see uh, from Montas uh, in terms of Arsenal location? How, what kind of pitcher is he? What can the Mariners fans expect to see from him? He changes every single day. Um, sometimes he's really good at you know locating. His last start, he was good at locating. He got a little bit too in the zone and got beat up a little bit in the first, but he ended up going five or six. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, giving up a couple of runs. Sometimes he gives up that big blow up start, but usually it's you know he he goes off the fastball. Uh, the splitter. If the splitter is working and hitters are chasing that, he's gonna have a great great day. He doesn't throw it that often, but. Uh, you know, maybe like 12, 13 times a, a game. But if Mariners hitters, which it seems like they might, uh, are chasing that splitter, it's going to be a long day for the Mariners, uh, you know, fan base and also the, the hitters on the field. It kind of depends because there are hitters that will not swing at pitches out of the zone like that. I mean, Kelnick seems to be one of them based based on uh, you know what I've seen and, and going off uh, my memory. I have no short-term memory, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, so I may be wrong. But swinging at pitches down out of the zone, the Mariners are actually somewhat decent at that if it's way out of the zone. If it's close, then obviously anybody's going to chase. But if that splitter might be dropping a little bit too much, then the Mariners, I think, might be able to lay off of it. In the second game, I don't recall who's pitching the second game against Logan Gilbert. Cole Uh, Irvin. Cole Irvin, that's right. Tell us a little bit about Cole Irvin, if you would, please, sir. He is uh, basically fastball changeup sinker, you know, a regular arsenal. Uh, He throws a curveball every now and then. He's mostly a changing speeds kind of guy, keeping you off of what he's throwing. He hits his spots. His last start, basically against the Astros, he has not been good. He has like almost an 8 ERA. I think it's like a 790, 7.8, something like that. Mm -hmm. But against every other team in baseball, in his other six starts, he has like a 184 ERA right now. Oh, wow. Outside of the Astros, he's really, really good. He hits his spots. Location is his game. And uh, you were saying that that might cause trouble for the Mariners hitters Uh, and if he's keeping them off balance he could potentially do it Uh, he's good at being economical he he can strike some guys out if you if you want him to but uh, basically his changeup is usually his put away pitch 
Um, but sometimes he switches it up. If he's facing a team like the second time through the order or the second time in a week or two, that'll become the fastball. Well, they'll, they'll be looking for changeup. He'll throw him a fastball. Uh, he, he's a pitcher. That's what he, he pitches. He doesn't have great, you know, quote unquote stuff like uh, a, a lot of the guys in, in baseball right now, but mm-hmm. he, he will outthink the hell out of you. And that's why he's been so successful this year. Sounds like kind of a sounds like a Marco Gonzalez type pitcher. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, and those are the kind of pitchers that the Mariners really have trouble with. Pitchers who locate more than anything else, they're a good mis- they're good at hitting mistakes. I shouldn't say they're good at hitting mistakes, but generally when they jump on pitches, they're in the middle of the zone and the pitcher has missed his location or something to that effect. So it sounds like the Mariners may have a rough time against Irvin. And on Wednesday, it is going to be whom? James Caprillion. Ooh, not a name I am familiar with. I, I believe that's his first home start for the A's. He's made two starts so far. Um, he just got called up from AAA. He made uh, a couple of appearances out of the bullpen last year. Mm-hmm. But uh, this year so far, he's had two starts, one in Boston against the best team in baseball in Boston, the best offense in baseball. And he shut them down over five innings. He got into some trouble in the first. He allowed one run and then just shut him down for the next four. He was fantastic. Hmm. And then he faced uh, the Angels on Friday in Anaheim. He had another terrific outing. He went another five and two thirds, I believe, gave up a couple of runs. He got the no decision because the bullpen gave it up for a second. Uh, the A's came back and won that one. But mm-hmm. yeah, he's, I mean, one of them, one of the starts was in Fenway, which is, you know, hollowed ground for <laughs> baseball lifers and whatnot. And then you got, uh, you know, he grew up just 27 minutes south of Angel Stadium. So it was kind of a homecoming game for him. So nice. we'll see how he fares when he's pitching at the call team. Is <laughs> basically, I, I'm intrigued to see that he's, been really good though he he can locate his fastball on the outer corner uh, for a lefty i i want to see more of him he's really been impressive and he's one of the guys that came back in the sunny gray deal so we've been kind of waiting on him to be healthy <laughs> and be able to be this guy and now it looks like he might be that guy uh so he's been a lot of fun and uh hopefully he can beat the mariner bullpen depending on who they're throwing yeah we shall see speaking of bullpens what can we expect to see out of the a's bullpen uh, the good and the bad bullpen. Um, currently, I don't know who's in either one right now. <laughs> um, yeah, there were some weird decisions being made on, on Sunday's game. They they ended up losing this one six to five, but they had uh, Diolas Guerra and Ramin Gudwan who are... Ramin Gudwan is in the bad bullpen where you're losing by like four or five runs. You're like, ah, Ramin, go get three outs or you know mm-hmm. six outs or whatever. That's fine. Um, but Guerra has been kind of in between the two where he'd been kind of pushing for a good bullpen uh, tenure. And uh, the last couple of outings he's gotten, he's gotten a chance to be in that good bullpen when the A's actually are like in the game and he's given up a run in each and that's not good. Uh, Sergio Romo had his first rough outing in uh, a while. He had like six or seven pretty decent outings in a row and he got blown up a little bit in Sunday's game. But uh, basically it's Trevino, Petit, and Diekman. Those are the three guys in the A's bullpen that you're like, if those three guys are coming to the game, the A's are trying to win that game. Anybody else, they're like, all right, well, let's see what happens, I guess. Uh, Birch Smith is another one. He might give them, uh, you know, a couple innings here and there. Um, but they did not use Lou Trevino in Sunday's game, and he didn't pitch on Saturday, which was the reason why they weren't using Diekman or Petit. So I, I'm very confused as to <laughs> what was going on on Sunday. Maybe he wasn't available, or maybe they were waiting until he could close the game in the ninth, assuming that they had the lead. But 
it it made zero sense. And also, the A's brought up Cam Bedrosian, who the Angels traded to the Reds. The Reds DFA'd him because he had like four bad innings where he couldn't locate. And then the A's, you know, brought him over to Vegas. And he's like, "Hey, I don't want guys anymore." They're like, "Okay, you can come up to Oakland now." And then they didn't <laughs> use him all weekend. And I'm very confused. So lots of weird things going on in the A's bullpen, but. I mean, usually if they have a lead, they can kind of hold it, but I don't know if that's being, if that's like cemented right now or if that's just being held loosely with some duct tape. So okay. uh, the longer the A starters go, the better right now. I think the same could be said for just about every team that there is. Uh, the Mariners are no exception to that. The Mariners uh, starters, the starters that they have in the rotation right now, don't give you a whole lot of length. You say Kikichi does. He'll generally go seven innings, and he'll be able to cover some innings for you. But for, uh, yesterday, Justin Dunn uh, went the five, had four very good innings, fell apart in the fifth, even though he didn't give up a run, but he threw 168 pitches or something like that, and he couldn't go into this into the sixth inning. Also had his first major league hit and double to the warning track, by the way. Very Ooh. impressive. Yes, indeed. And Justice Sheffield got an, uh, a hit, and both hits were the other way those are the two Mariner hitters that are biting into Scott Service's philosophy, and they're on the pitching staff. But I, I about- saw that when I was looking up the, the hitter stats. I was like, wow, you guys got some like decent hitters that are outpacing your actual hitters. <laughs> and I ha- <laughs> I'll, I'll just say this also. I, I'll, I'll probably mention this on the show on Sunday, and I don't know what, por- what uh, day this portion of the conversation is going to be broadcast. I am not one of those in favor of the universal DH, and I don't think in th- these pitchers you know, hitting like that for me is, uh, I, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> so, and also, uh, the Mariners do have a DH and so do the Rangers and they've both been no hit twice and the Indians. So, I mean, that's basically the argument right now, I would say. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for finishing. Um, I'll just say that that was my thought, even though I know I wasn't going there. I don't remember where I was going, ladies and gentlemen. We will have part two of that conversation tomorrow. And as I alluded to earlier, there will be a guest host tomorrow. And uh, here is why. I do have a little announcement to make. In addition to the M's beginning that three-game series in Oakland this evening, something very important is happening for me. I've decided to go back to school. I enrolled in an adult education program at Whitworth University here in Spokane. Uh, Tonight is my first class. And I didn't want to have to think about doing a show after that first class. I've never been a good student, and it's been years uh, since I've been in a classroom. So Taylor Blake Ward is going to be filling in for me, and he will present tomorrow morning's show. Please remember to download, rate, and follow Locked on Mariners. Look for us in any podcasting app that you can think of. Leave a rating and review if your podcasting app of choice so allows. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be back on Wednesday. Taylor Blake Ward will be with you tomorrow. In the interim, have a great day. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski will keep you updated on the latest news in every major sport with Locked On's team of local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. This is Joey Martin for Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.